do it straight off the dome. I'll try. Look, yeah. Everybody all good? Yep. Okay. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, we're already going. If you didn't know, it's a stealth recording. <laughs> I've got Jack, Jade, Ben, Campbell, and Jaden, who's here against his will. Yeah, that's me. To um, do a new episode for 2022. We've been spending some time on the Soviet Union. We're doing our essays at the moment. Um, two essay question options. One is assessing the use of the purges and how that like contributes to Stalin controlling the Soviet Union. Is it the most important thing? Ben's doing that one in particular. And then everybody else here today is doing the other question, which is how much of an impact did the NEP, uh, the new economic policy and the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk had on the Bolshevik party, the Russian party, the Communist Party, how important were, were those two things on them surviving through those early years? So let's start with the purge stuff because that's like the like the interesting, complicated sort of dark topics which we could all add a little bit of flavour to. So I'm going to start with Ben. So Ben, how are you going? Pretty good, thank you. So if you were going to sum up in maybe like a few words for an intro of anyone who doesn't know anything about Stalin and his use of terror, what would you, what would be like your kind of introduction to it all? Um, I'd probably say that Stalin during the 1930s when he first started. Well, he kind of ruled for a little bit, and then around 1936 to 1938, he ruled through fear and what it's called purges, which kind of just every couple of months they would just grab thousands of people, like, randomly and just send them to the Gulag prison, which is basically, like, a very tough prison and or labour camp. And essentially, yeah, Stalin just ruled through fear and terror and everyone was really terrified of him and didn't want to question him or, yeah, it was just a rough time for Russia. Um, do you want to hear from anybody else here first before I point? No. Yeah, it's all good. No, it's all good. Well, I'm going to ask them anyway. Oh. So Campbell. <laughs> Campbell, what do you, I know you're doing the other topic, but it's hard not to maybe have an opinion or absorb one of the stories or from like the videos that we've been watching and the sources we've been reading what is one bit of evidence that you could point to that this stuff like actually happened it's not just us giving Stalin a hard time well uh first off i'd like to say Stalin. what i've gathered from this this Stalin story overall that's pretty crazy like he, he was the underdog it's a real underdog story he came back and now he's, well, he was, basically became a dictator. And we, we know all this from the evidence from, like, the gulag and survivors of them. And, yeah, the survivor stories from people that were in the gulag, it's, it's pretty crazy to see how tough Stalin made, like, his police or his forces. Just, like, no matter what, they have to go in the gulag, innocent, not innocent. So, yeah, I don't know, it's pretty crazy. So when you started talking off saying he, he was like an underdog, um, that would be like the power struggle sort of thing. Like, what do you mean he was an underdog? Well, when Lenin died, 
it was him, Trotsky, Kamenev, Zionev, all them Karin, boys. Yeah. Karin, yeah. And or everyone else just saw Stalin as some Georgian-born, you know, like no competition at all. And then throughout a few years, Stalin just came out on top of each of them one by one until he was at the top. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty crazy to read about. Hmm. Um, Jake, what do you reckon if we're talking about like him maneuvering and coming out on top wasn't expected? Like, what have you picked up on how he was able to do that? Um, I remember us talking about how he like used his role as the general secretariat or something to like kind of create meetings and talk about like make them based off things that he wanted to say and stuff like that because basically like Campbell was saying before it's like he was an underdog and no one wanted to be the general secretariat like everyone was kind of like ew like why would I want to do that that's just like below me mm. so he picked up that role but then he used it to like he used it to manipulate the other people and then I think you were telling us about like times where he would make meetings when when people couldn't show up and like stuff like that so that's he he was just smart about like picking up that role and then using it to work in his favor yeah like Lennon's funeral so oh yeah yeah do you want to you you've remembered it so you want to tell the listener not really, no. <laughs> Not really. Does anybody remember that story or the basics of that story? I'm pretty sure he, like, said something else to Trotsky so he, like, he didn't know the date. Like, I think he told him the wrong date or something because he didn't rock up and then everyone else just thought Trotsky didn't come because he didn't like Lennon. So then everyone was like, oh, Trotsky's a dog. Yeah, and, like, the, the specifics you could look into, that's the general gist of it, that he is the leader of the revolution He's away, and what a what an insensitive thing for Trotsky to do. He couldn't even bother to be here when really, like, he had no idea because Stalin's organising all the dates. He's that's he's the secretary, he's the bookkeeper, masterful. Um, doesn't mean he's a good guy, but he was definitely masterful at that. Let's get back to our topic. So Stalin, underdog, he's used his positions. He's gained control of not only party procedure, but of the secret police. What does the secret police look like? Does anybody want to weigh in on that? What does this secret police look like? And maybe you could say, how is it different to a police force as we would understand it today? I know the only thing I can kind of think of is they just kind of followed everything that Stalin done and tried to, uh, trying to think of the word, like, I don't think, uh, they tried to just, like, please him and just not be on his bad side and just so that, you know, that way they wouldn't be thought of being a traitor or anything because... Say, like, do they do like the harder task that like normal police wouldn't do, like send the people to the gulags and that? Shoot them. Like, you yeah. yeah, like yeah. like they do the tougher task. No, like rules, they could basically they didn't have to be like nice. They just did the right yeah. thing. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. They were given free reign for like brutality and tyranny, 
but at the same time you're you're saying that in the back of their mind it's almost like creating like this culture where it's you might not like to take your jackfruit your jackfruit and squash someone's testicles okay and that was one of the things recorded in the gulag archipelago so i'm not just making it up that was one of the torture methods you know you literally put someone through that amount of pain you might not like that to do that but in the moment if you don't do it you're probably it's probably going to happen to you so then there's that choice which is you got your colleagues around you and it's like rip that guy's fingernails off because he's not admitting that he's a saboteur and we need him to confess sorry i don't want to do that oh are you a saboteur maybe we got to rip your fingernails off so once they're in there is rewards for them going along with it because they get on a power trip they can abuse that power and it's the moment they fall off and they gain some sort of moral conscience then they fall into the machine like everybody else so that kind of keeps the purges going longer and longer what else like other than the secret police so he's using that and it's feeding on itself what about the show trials and i'll ask you ben because it's your question yeah. so you might have a bit more starting points but just like what were the show trials yeah what yeah. what were the show trials what am i talking about uh, pretty much from what i can gather they were just kind of like pub what was it public kind of like court trials where they'd basically just uh they'd pretty much just say that oh yeah like you've done this even though like the person could be as innocent as ever but they could they pretty much just make them so they've said like they've confessed and then they would pretty much either execute them or they would throw them to the labor camp gulag or uh yeah as i said pretty much execute them like detain them for a couple more months and then just take them down to a dark cell and shoot them in the back of the head that's that's pretty much what they were just the public court trials and executions and yeah yeah they'd already made a decision on your guilt and show trials weren't just happening in the soviet union show trials happen everywhere and it's a term of like publicly making an example of people so say in the case of bukharin we know bukharin went through the show trials we know that he was killed at the end all the other people who are not bukharin sitting there in that group so jack imagine you're there you're part of the bolshevik party yep and you're seeing this happen to Bukharin, a senior figure. He was on the Security Council in a sense. You like? What would you be thinking? Be terrified. Be <laughs> like, oh, I don't. I just, I'll just do. I'll just do my job. I won't do anything too like risky that he might not like. You, you want to stay in order. You yep. don't want to be a good little boy. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what we need to be thinking. That everybody's looking out for themselves. The only way that you stay safe is by like ratting other people out it's like this witch hunt sort of culture but is that the absolute most important thing is that the only thing stalin did to stay in power because that's what the assess question is about then have you come up with anything else that you could say the purges were bad 
the fear was bad, but Stalin, like this, this as well was also going on. Not really sure. The only thing, only other thing I can really think of is the only like he just stayed in power for so long because anyone that was climbing the ranks through politics, he would just put him through a show trial and already made the decision of making him confess to execute him so then they wouldn't be uh, challenged on. But other than that, I can't really think of anything. Can any of us speak to cult, like a cult of personality that he might have gained? Like the people feared him, but did the people also like love him or respect him? I feel like they'd be so scared they probably would with that something to do with it. Like, you don't want to say, I don't respect Stalin, he's not that good. Yeah. Because then you you and your family are gone. I mean, like, I guess every that also would have something like they were so scared. Yeah. So you're saying it would be like, it would be hard for us really to know that if you had any primary sources at the time, like, who's going to write a diary? with the potential of being found out and your whole family being sent to prison with you saying, man, I really don't like Stalin. <laughs> like, I just don't like what he's doing. So it might be hard to find those sources and they're few and far between. Let's move on to our other topic, looking at the NEP and the Treaty of Brest for Tops. So Jack, I'll start with you. Can you tell us what is the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk? And nice and loud, into the mic. The Treaty of Brest-Litovsk, uh, it was the treaty between the Germans and Russia in World War Two, with the end of World War Two, And it was like giving Germany like nearly all their important land just so Germany doesn't like invade and take over Russia so then the Bolshevik party could have stayed in power because if Germany did invade and take over, then obviously the Bolsheviks wouldn't be in charge then because it would be Germany and it had like I'm pretty sure it got rid of nearly all their coal mines agricultural land was it 62 million 62 million people um I'm pretty sure they tried it two times before that but they were like oh no this is this is too harsh we don't want to accept this treaty but then it just kept getting worse and they were like you know what we'll, 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 we'll take it <laughs> yeah putting the screws on them yeah excellent um why did they go through why did they go through that like why did they end up signing the treaty like we end up getting to the side maybe like less than a year later why was there such an imperative to like sign a separate treaty um i feel like they had to get out of the war so then they could deal what was deal with what was going on in their country like they couldn't fight on both I guess you could say fronts like they couldn't deal with they couldn't deal with what was going on outside of their country and inside so they, they just had to, had to dip had to get out of that if they didn't sign anything germany would have just overtake would have just overrun them anyway so they had to kind of give them something so they wouldn't, you know, wouldn't fight them. yeah please don't completely destroy us <laughs> we only just got into power and you're saying like they got problems at home like what sort of problems do they have at home, Campbell, at the moment? Uh, it's just economic collapse from, you know, just, yeah. And the thing also with that point was 
Trotsky, like Lenin, everyone on that little table, saw if they didn't do the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk, that Germany would just come in and take over and they just put someone like a czar back in charge and nothing would change. And so Lenin and Trotsky and all that just that couldn't happen. That wasn't an option. So they had to give up however much land, however many people they could. Yeah. So the question being to what extent is the treaty essential? There's this whole, I guess, path of history for the Bolsheviks end if they don't sign the treaty. Do you think there's an argument for that? Uh, I think they stood no chance if they didn't sign it. No, I think. Yeah. Too much against them, like internal pressure, external pressure. Yeah, so. saying that, like, if, like, Germany took over and, like, they replaced, like, um, Lenin that the Tsar, then there would be no such thing as peace land and bread and that, no new NEP, so there would still be in collapse in the economic system, I guess. And, yeah, it wouldn't mean that. It wouldn't mean that Lenin couldn't, like, follow with his, like, promise, I guess. Mm. I think and I think Germany was far too technical technologically advanced. Like I don't yeah. Russia was so far behind that they yeah, they didn't really stand a chance of fighting pretty much anymore. So. Yeah. That goes back to like our World War One stuff. Like they had that one really good offensive yeah. where they where the, this is the Russians. The Russians had one really good offensive where they came to the aid of like the of the, like the French allies and the allied forces, um, massive cost, and they were pretty much wounded after that. So when it came to the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk, it's like they've almost got a gangrenous arm or, or a trench foot. They kind of got to chop off the foot. You can't save the foot. you got to let it go. Now, civil war obviously happens. They choose to deal with the civil war. And they fight a country between their own, oh, sorry, they fight a war between their own people. They get through that. They go through war communism. So they, the Bolsheviks put all their effort to feeding the army at the expense of the people. More economic collapse. More people died during the Civil War than World War One. You've got, like, things have not gotten better. This is not peace, land, and bread. What was promised? They bring in the NEP. Jade, what's the NEP? The NEP is where, like, it was the new economic policy that um, it changed how how Lenin, like, first wanted to... It changed his whole ideology, but it was, like, a necessary step backwards. I think he described it as because at first... He based his like ideology off Marxism, but then decided that you know that was going to be too slow, and he didn't want to go through the capitalist part of Marxism, and he just bypassed that altogether. So the NEP was him going like, "Oh, hang on, like maybe I should have done that capitalist part because now we have no money," and like that was basically what it was: is them going back to that, like letting peasants open like independently owned businesses and sell grain for their own profit not not just going straight to the army and so yeah that's just that's what the new economic policy was excellent Jaden's doing a little money dance on yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's good because that's like Yikes. that's the emotion that would have been feeling people have been like finally a little bit of relief yeah considering how much 
like peasants made up the population. I might be wrong, was it 88%? It was roughly around about 80%. Yeah, yeah 80, sorry. Yeah, yeah, the peasants are actually able to make money from their pockets. So, yeah, this was really good because, you know, 80% of Russian meat and peasants, that's a huge, sorry, that's a huge, um, yeah, support, I guess, for Bolsheviks because these peasants, they'll look at Bolsheviks and they think, oh, well, if we can make money in our pockets now because of these fellas, why not follow them? Hmm. Yeah. Did it delegitimize the party? Did it? What, because this is where it's like to what extent to what extent for the consolidation of power and this is what we've got to think about did them taking a back step from them being like nah it's got to be this way and then they changed themselves did that hurt their credibility in the end or did that was that not really a concern that it was literally the best thing for them to do has anybody got an opinion on that Not too sure. I think it would have a little bit. Like some people would have been like, oh, you said before that the capitalist part was unnecessary. Now you're saying it is. But like in saying that, pretty much everyone else would be like, well, at least we have food now. At least we have money now. Like let's not argue with it and let's just like let it be. That makes sense. Yeah. Like there's always room for an intellectual debate that if Lenin, say, allows it now, like okay we're gonna have capitalism now because we desperately need it why couldn't we have it at the beginning that's what that's where the criticism would be coming from that what would be the people in his party being like you sold us on we didn't need this and now you're changing your tune so all the suffering we've already been through where you kept saying no 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 were you wrong about that and if you were wrong about that what makes you think that you're right about this? And should you even be the leader of the party? This is where these power struggles come from. Unfortunately, well, probably fortunately or unfortunately, fortunately for them, like Jade said, most people don't care about that. They're just happy to get food. <laughs> it's just screw the intellectual debate. I'm getting food now. Sweet. So the peasants are on board, but it divides the party. So in the end, if we're talking about our essay, the two points, Treaty of Brest-Litovsk, NEP, is there any other thing that's just as important or is worth a mention that gave the Bolsheviks power? And that could be their efforts during the Civil War. That could be, is there anything, the choice that they made that you're like, it could have all fallen apart for them if they didn't do that. I don't know about individual choices, but certainly the victory of the Red Army, without that, hmm? that's the Bolsheviks gone. So it was that victory of the Red Army that, you know, just confirmed their consolidation of power even more. Even more. Yeah, you could argue that, the NEP, again, the NEP means nothing if they don't win the civil war in the first place. Yeah. So, and the way that they won that was going to the extreme that the white army didn't go. We're going to have war communism. We're going to, we're going to sacrifice some people. We're going to have one leader and it's going to be a, almost a war dictatorship. 
where the whites well, what were the whites all about were they single single person leading the show or like they all wanted glory like none of them wanted to like take a step back and not be the person in charge they were like their egos were too big yeah like there were multiple personalities yeah all right i think we've covered our two questions good work um so listener Thank you for coming back. If you're one of the people who have been listening over the last three months while we haven't done anything, thank you. You're thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you're the real one. Stay we love you. More. Good work. Stay tuned for more. Yeah, stay tuned for more. You heard it first from Jaden. <laughs> he loves him. He wants to see him. <laughs> he wasn't too bad. Rightio. See you. Everyone say goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.